0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Four. Hi,
0: I'm Evan. Hi, I'm Will. Wanda. Hi, I'm uh, David Igernoff. And We're going to talk about. World of Null A, or The World of Null A, uh, first published in Astounding, August through September, October, uh, 1945, and revised, I think, in 1970, which is the audiobook version we heard, the uh, book for the blind version, which is not public domain and not commercially available, and also pretty well read. <laughs> um and uh, I sent. I hope everybody got it. The uh, PDF I very slowly and hastily and crazily made yesterday um, out of three terribly scanned issues of of uh, astounding. Everybody get that?
2: Uh, now I see it. Okay, I didn't check your Dropbox.
0: Yeah, I got it. All right, I, I I'm, got I'm it. I'm working. i, uh,
2: well, I we're working on another Wikipedia
3: instead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh the good the good about it is it has illustrations. The uh the bad about it is it's very rough. Um but I ran a quick OCR yesterday on it and it sounds to be almost exactly the same length as the version that we listen to and so the revisions I think are minor as far as I can tell based on the length. Um the opening is similar, the quotes are the same as far as I can see uh you know so uh, I'm not so sure about uh, what kind of uh, I, I i think will you said something about how much you were enjoying the introductory material,
3: yeah, I like the introductory I, material
2: ben, it, yeah but, but Ben book argues with his critics and, and and concedes a point, which is i was I was like, when do you actually gonna get into the actual book? How long is this introduction? I was wondering at mm-hmm. some because <laughs> he just goes on and on about oh yeah and i published this and then i had an argument with the critic and so he responded to it and now i edited it to... it's like i'd actually like to listen to the book now sir thank you
0: wow um well, i uh... thought it was very uh,
1: resilient to uh to revise a work based on <laughs> criticism
4: <laughs> which um so i didn't i read the the um tour edition
0: yeah, it should be um, the same.
4: Crit- yeah, so which critic was is he talking about? The Damon Knight essay?
0: Damon Knight was yeah. one of them, yeah. Yeah,
4: I have that essay with me here, okay. too. Um, I just read In Search of Wonder, the book that, that it's published in, and that is a complete evisceration of the book.
0: Uh, well, there's a lot to eviscerate, because this book is <laughs> terrible. I mean, It's a terrible book.
4: His, well, his evisceration of of Null is um, almost more classic than the novel itself um, because it's, it's kind of like one of those famous essays. I, I will say I'm more forgiving of world Null than a lot of people are partially because I think I just think of it as a, when it was written and B, you know, the good things that it inspired. Uh, clearly. I clearly specifically, it,
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the reasons you'd want to do it, I I was telling Marissa she needed to be on this one, because even though it's not a good book, you really want to see this, because, oh my god, Philip K. Dick based his whole career on this book. (laughs) (laughs) But all all his non-fantasy stuff, um, Jesus, you see how close this book parallels the structure to um, his first Solar Lottery? Well, he admitted
4: word for word that uh, yeah. so, that Solar Lottery was a an homage. It's, it's a basically play. fan
0: fiction. It's his revision of it, using his own sort of spin on on this stuff. And then Vulcan's Hammer, um, hmm. and in fact, this whole idea that which I always thought Philip K. Dick shouldn't have been doing and was always doing for some reason <laughs> is the the competent man porn. Where you got this guy <laughs> who's really skilled at something he's different from everybody else A variable the, man right A variable man is the best yeah. example, but you see it him parody that in in uh what's the one with the mutant golden golden mutant the golden man the golden man right another golden yeah. man
1: yeah. Right. I think he's but that guy's guy right not fun of it no he the golden man's different though the golden man is like. Truly posthuman He's pre-verbal. I'm not sure
0: this guy is. <laughs> He's yeah, pre-verbal. He's just animal, right? It's all instinct.
4: Yeah. So well, we wouldn't but, have we might not have had Philip K. Dick the novelist as early if it wasn't for a um, vote to begin with, because
5: absolutely. it
4: yeah, I agree. it was yeah, it was Vote who who um who actually literally told Philip K. Dick at a um at a science fiction convention in nineteen fifty four that um and I always picture this in like a Spencer Tracy voice too, like like you know kid, you ain't getting nowhere writing them short stories. You gotta write yourself a novel. And um he literally had that conversation with Dick, and because of that, I think he put his energy into. I believe it was Vulcan's Hammer was the one that he went and wrote right away, mm-hmm. but um uh, uh, regardless, like. Uh, the the level of influence that World of Null A had is, is almost more important than the actual gobbledygook, totally bananas, you know, book that we have, which could have easily been uh, plotted by the I Ching. Um,
0: Dude, it's um, terrible.
2: It, uh, yeah. So, 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 so who of you have read Slam?
0: I read it years um, ago. Yeah, that's yeah, my
2: have, yeah. I've heard okay, a because time. because I re- I read Slan and then I read an essay where Ben Book explains his plotting philosophy and he boils <laughs> down to every nine hundred words or something putting a twat, plot twist. Yeah, and that's how he wrote Slan <laughs> and that's how he does it here. It's like yeah. like I was waiting mm. for the beat. Okay, beat, 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 beat.
4: Yeah, well, it's funny because in the first couple of pages, I was thinking, oh, this is just like The Purge or Hunger Games. And then that whole machine games plot is just like, you know, ejected.
0: Yep. Um that's why Solar Lottery is way better because he he says that idea is really cool. (laughs) And then let's let's have all this you know, Mm the the protagonist isn't is isn't the robot, but uh, you know, there's a guy who is the serving the same job and he just sticks with that idea. And so Solar Lottery is actually (laughs) a good book. <laughs> whereas this is a bad book. Right. Um but he you know you're right that that opening is is very interesting.
2: Um, I, I was I was thinking of The Purge too and thinking, oh Jesse will like this it's just like The Purge. And then of course we dropped I'm not a big fan of The, the Purge. Like, I, I just think, think
0: it's, it's an interesting idea. And uh
3: Is this like The Purge? I don't think this is like The Purge. No, the opening, wait, wait, wait,
0: the opening be, the idea be, of no law, be, right?
2: Oh yeah yeah, yeah.
0: that's yeah. the only thing that's yeah. similar um,
2: and I, I couldn't understand why there was no I can understand I'm, you have this oh no. but why no law I couldn't I couldn't quite well,
4: oh
0: all it all makes sense how, else are, you gonna,
4: how yeah. else are you gonna determine who's fit to live on Venus if you don't live without laws for a month well, <laughs> which is really <laughs> yeah let the me, logic here <laughs> well, well, let, put,
3: let me let me put it in uh, let me put it in like 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 communist terms. Like the – so we have to like – like Venus is in this state that's like approaching like full communism, right? There isn't really a government. Everybody just votes on who does what job. No, Uh, I don't even think they they
0: vote. They just uh, get naturally assigned, right? They fall into their positions.
3: I think that they voted on the detective positions and it was like everybody applying for the job voted.
0: All right. (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh so it's like you you choose who wins the competition and like if you apply for the job like you vote against yourself uh because you're like fully null a uh but uh the
0: just the state is withered away null period.
3: A. <laughs> and are the people ready for the state to be withered away that's yes. the question yes
0: okay so let's talk about general semantics I, I i don't really want to but i think we need to and honestly it's not as stupid as it sounds it it's really stupid um, and the reason it's stupid. <laughs> the reason it's stupid. I had to study this at university, not general semantics, but the what's the uh, Bertrand Russell version? Uh, I, I don't know axiomatic, no natural deductive logic. Basically, in the early, very early 20th century, late 19th, there was a bunch of dudes who said all our problems are caused by uh, language issues. <laughs> So the reason um, you have to go kill the Hun is because uh, you're thinking of him as the Hun. If you just understood that uh, when you reduce Hun down to human, uh, you wouldn't go and kill your fellow human. So, you know, Bertrand Russell, a nice uh, lefty um, peacenik, he wants to help everybody. And he thinks that the world's problems can be solved by um, teaching everybody how to understand sentences. Now, the thing is, is this absolutely is a huge fucking issue in human life right today. Paul hates Republicans. He hates the Republican <laughs> Party. If you say, if I say to him, the Democratic and Republican parties are two wings of the same party and they're both right wings, he's not going to accept that. Um, but it's words and words have power. So... If I can convince him using some sort of deductive formula and he can take that on board, then he will come to the same conclusion as I have, right? Now, that that's crazy because it doesn't work.
3: <laughs> it, it, it presumes it, the thinker is right, first of all.
0: Right? It, like, well, <laughs> no, like there is stuff to this, right? So like uh, the word cat is one of the ones I saw come up. We all know cow. what a cat is. Right? I'm picturing like one right person. now. No, C A T.
2: Yeah, the, but the, the way you're picturing, our ca- picturing a cat is not identical to what other people are picturing a cat. It, general semantics falls down because, I mean, if we all think of a, all of us on this podcast, think of a cat, we're all going to come up with different images. I think mm. general,
3: semant- general semantics allows for that, though.
0: Yeah. And uh, and the thing is is, 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 you know, when I say pussy, you all, all think of. Uh, a cat, but you also think of something else. And when I say feline, you think of a cat, and you also think of a, something else. So, there are equivalents, but if I say um, black cat, right, uh, some people think, oh, that's uh, cursed or something, or which is familiar, right? And as a person who likes poetry, I understand the power of synonyms and the power of, you know, poetic devices, um but but the thing is is it it's actually the control of those things and the and uh, you know mm-hmm. it's a feature of those things that allows people to fall into traps and be gaslit and and uh you know if i call you a chicken yeah, uh, you now want to join the army and show you're not like it's just in it's ridiculous that all the stuff that but it, it it's it's it is definitely an issue. But this Korbinsky guy is that how you pronounce his name? Um, he's doing the same. Uh, he's doing the same error as as uh, Bertrand Russell, in my view. Um, and that's why. And, you know, it's not that he's been sidelined. Um, be, you know, uh, because you know there's a Conspiracy against him. He's been sidelined in the same way as uh a lot of other mistaken sort of silly ideas have been. The thing is is the ideas are not silly. It's the solution that's silly. Is that is that lined well, up yeah. with everybody's view? The
3: way I no. the way I think about it is like um you know, like Olaf Stapleton is really into the idea of a like, group minds, right? Like mm-hmm. we're all kind of like thinking uh like together in a sense. And so this is like an idea that we had to explore. Uh but like I mean ultimately it seemed like kind of a like a grift by Korbinski or however you say mm-hmm. his name.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or- it, it, it's also L. Ron Hubbard's grift, right? Um and yeah. yet and yet, you know, the thing is is if you look at the the Scientologists, they're they're not uh you know anti-Jewish. They're not uh they're not necessarily anti homosexual they're not like they're the the solutions that they the aims that the people have right uh behind these systems is supposedly positive and i think that that's actually true they're actually trying to help the world the problem is is not everybody operates on the same level and this sounds like a stupid slans or fans or slans thing, right? Science uh-huh. fiction people are smarter. And the thing is, is Heinlein is taking in this shit and 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 believing it. That's why he actually is a very uh, thoughtful person when it comes to you know uh, not saying uh, only white men are the best thing ever. I I don't even like talking about this stuff because it's so stupid. But basically Heinlein is very um thoughtful. <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't fucked it up in the way that a lot of other people have. And part of that is because he's taken in this idea that, you know, words are not what always you think they are. And so he come up with all sorts of weird ways of living, which he does in his various novels, Moon is a harsh mistress, etc., that other people are just too confined in their in their st- Structures to, of the religion that they're given, right? The, yeah. the they're they're soaking in the in the cultural mean of those around them. Something like uh, that.
2: Can we talk about golf now?
0: Sure. Yeah. Golf, right? Not golf. Golf. The... G U L F. Oh, okay. I thought we were going to talk about you know the sport of Scotland, but whatever. No, we're going, we're going to talk about golf. Okay. I mean, we,
2: we, we did Friday on this podcast mm-hmm. some time back. But the the one one of the prede- well, the predecessor to Friday is the story Gulf, in which Heinlein takes the ideas of General Semantics and basically has his protagonists use it. And then, they, I mean, basically they they, they think better. They 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 he actually kind of makes kind of like the future man our slans argument in that story because our protagonist is recruited into a better man sort of society to try to stop a stop a plot on the moon they the protagonist and the the woman he loves ultimately sacrifice themselves which so that story feels very much in kind here with the world of no but by the time we get to friday in 1980 he's rejected all of that because it if you recall i i, I think about this novel way too much um um mr two, mr two Canes, who's who, who's who's Showed up in the original story says, Oh, yeah, all, all those supermen went off to that planet, and you can't go if you want <laughs> to go there. Venus, yeah. No, it wasn't to Venus. No, I know, but on it's on the planet.
0: equivalent, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's like I think it might have been Ishtar, which would, would be <laughs> hilarious. because Ishtar Venus. I, right. I might be misremembering. No, I don't think you're right. But, 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 he, but he tells Friday, Yeah, if you want to go there and join those supermen, I'm not going to pay your way. So it's kind of, it, it seems like Heinlein rejected his own earlier. Uh, embrace
4: of No? no? Mm-hmm. Heinlein rejects something that he had already thought otherwise? Are you
2: I, I, right? they, no, I'm not. If we, we, I, I mean if you
4: sarcastic. Oh,
5: okay. <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> no, because I mean, if you look at uh, Moon is a Heart's Mistress compared to Starship Troopers, it's hard to believe the same person wrote those books within a decade of each other. Um, you know, one is I mean, just the the, the the whiplash and the difference in politics for Heinlein was was amazing, but the thing is, I think he was willing to be fuzzy with his beliefs all over the place.
0: Well, he's um, experimenting. He's he's think He's not. Yeah, I'm not it, saying that's it's bad. Not a, it's not They're not yeah. doctrines, right? They're they're books.
5: Yeah. <laughs> no, but but yeah. if it
2: if it seemed almost like Friday, in a sense, is taking that at his own short story. Now that I think about Gophen. And reading this world of no A's, like it's like no, I, w- I was a complete idiot about that. In, mm. But yeah, I don't so think
0: I don't think he rejected it as much as is you know he saw like the thing is is apparently this institute's you know the general semantics place in New York still exists. Like I looked it up. I don't know, it was it wasn't this year, but maybe last year, and it's still like there's uh, still a place there, right? But notice how it hasn't taken over everything. Not yeah, I, I mean, like, the Rosicrucians still exist, too. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and that's a nice, similar grift, right? Um, on the other hand, are they are they doing it because they believe in it, or are they doing it because they're trying to make cash? Can't it be both?
3: <laughs> it has to be both. I think I it mean, is. I mean, to be good at the cash portion of it, you have to actually believe in <laughs> it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, there's other religions that... I mean, uh, this is why people say, go to church, you know, because it's going to teach you morality. Um, uh, it's abused, of course. Um, and uh, it's funny the way it happens in this book, right? There's a, uh, I don't know, an attack scene where he just kills a whole bunch of people. <laughs> Our hero just kills, like, dozens and dozens of people. And well, way like,
3: allows that. Nalai allows that's that. That's right,
0: right? He yeah. just says they're not important. <laughs> and so... His theory, right? The Skorvinsky theory is that all the world's problems are caused by a misunderstanding of language and how language um, applies to uh, our view of the reality.
3: Well, it's not just that, though, right? It's like it has to do with like your how the language affects your like nervous system thinking process. Like, uh, you have to. You, yeah. to, you want to like slow down your decision making process, uh, so that like you know whether you're interacting with an abstract or with an actual thing. Right. And, well, uh, well, I and can... this
0: is right. Uh, it's true.
4: Yeah, well, I can, yeah. I, mean, I can seen... tell you that we have all thought about this now more than Van Vogt did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, you know, it's not, it's not a good novel at all. But um, if he'd done this as a short story, I'd be fine with it, um, because because it, it it knows what it's trying to do. It, he he sort of rambles around to get there, but he he knows what he's trying to do. He, he has that ending in mind. He gets that that ending, which I was like, oh.
2: hey, I, I wonder if he wrote to that ending like, oh my god, it's me. I wonder if that's what he started with, because it feels like he wrote to the conclusion in some ways.
0: Yes. Yes, uh, I, you should write to the I, conclusion
2: too. I have too, a question
3: right? for you. I have a question for you guys because something's self-evident to, to everyone here but me, mm-hmm. and that's like, uh, and I'm not surprised by this, but like, why is this novel so bad? Like, I don't, um, <laughs> like, uh,
0: astounding I, I, had a lot of shitty stories. Okay.
3: Well, yeah, I know, I know, I know that, but like, I don't understand the ways in which it's bad. Uh, like, I uh, oh, I, I see. Mean, you're it's, saying I don't it's, think this novel's that bad. It's like, not that I've, good.
0: Um, it, it no, it's has, not that good. It has <laughs> it has it has a status that is is, is large, and I think that that, that is what. So uh, let's let's talk about a good novel for a second, okay? Dune. Dune. Uh, how about? Is how an about we talk
3: about? Uh, um, what? Left Hand of Darkness. I haven't read Dune.
0: Oh shit! You haven't read Dune. Okay. Well, I know. You, I know.
3: Yeah, you, you need to get <laughs>
0: on that. Drop what you're doing right now. <laughs> I'm gonna
3: I just okay, gonna hang up. I'll talk to right. you guys. Come back right.
0: into Are the conversation you when you're done. I've seen the new movie for sure. Uh, okay, so I've seen
4: the movie. I've seen the No, movie. the new one. The one that's coming. No. He, okay. he you haven't seen that four yet.
5: for
0: that. No. Okay, yeah. so here's here's the story, right? Is that Dune is a really good version of this story. Um it's saying you can have control over your body, you can have control over your understanding, your perceptions. You you can actually make a better Use of your brain if you have certain disciplines that are, um, that you've studied and practiced. Basically, yoga. Okay. It's, it, it's not just yoga of the, of the body, although there's that too. There's yoga of the mind, right? And I think this is what general semantics is saying. And I'm pretty sure that, uh, Herbert picked this up, uh, probably from, um, this book. And then, he did a good version of this book. So what makes this book bad is that it's, it's basically shitty plot. It's just like action. And as Paul was saying, every 9900 words, he changes things up and puts a twists on it. And like the first time he's killed, right? And then the next chapter, he's alive again. That's cool. But everything is like that. So he's playing the same trick over and over again. It's basically, it's like, uh, it's like the way, um, it's this book is the equivalent of Picard, you know, that new show?
3: I haven't watched that.
0: Okay, well, it's bad. And the reason it's bad ooh, is
4: Oh, I'm a defender of Picard, but
0: Well, uh, it's uh, <laughs> I, I I only watched a few, but like oh, let's what? let's talk about why it's bad. What the reason it's bad is they introduce stuff and then they don't pay it off. They change things up that were not the same as before and and just keep going. There's more and more plot, there's more and more churning, and there's scenes, and then there's an end. That is not good writing. What good oh. writing looks like is Dune. Yeah. <laughs> now, Left well, Hand oh, oh, of it, Darkness. You're, you're
2: car, but yeah, I'm not yeah, argue about it yeah, in this podcast. Well, well, let's let's go with something more neutral, like, like say a Flash Gordon serial, which it can be fun and entertaining, yeah. but it's just like every episode. Oh, cliffhanger. Things happen. We introduce stuff. Oh, cliffhanger! Things happen. We introduce stuff over and over and over again. That's this book. Yes. That's why it's crap.
4: Keep in mind that this was edited by Joseph Campbell, and Joseph Campbell was John W. Campbell. John W. 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 Campbell. Sorry, John. Yeah, big sorry, big difference. John W. Campbell was editing this, and writers at the time wrote to the market. Absolutely, and the fact. Yes. And the fact that there's Superman in this story with the, like, you, you can keep living forever, or whatever, that was to appease John W. Campbell, I'm sure. Um, and you could see in the early letters between Tony Boucher and Tilt K. Dick that one of the things he praised Dick for was writing to the market, like giving each editor what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And knowing the editors was really important. But at the time, this was first published and astounding this is I mean, the war is still going on mm-hmm. uh, you know we think of our situation right now we're recording this during like the coronavirus pandemic and this is going to um color our generation uh just think about how when when the first serials of world in la were coming out they we didn't know if japan was going to surrender i'm, I'm pretty sure the
0: Germans had already... Yeah, no, the it's it's right at the time. So, in fact, there's one of the editorials I put up on Twitter yesterday from one of these mm-hmm. three issues was a letter from a science fiction writer in Germany talking about how the V2s actually came down. And he was saying, well, we've been saying that the rockets glide smoothly uh, into the atmosphere. And what I'm seeing when these things are coming down at night, you can't see them during the day, but when That's they're coming down at night... Uh, they they're <laughs> rattling. They're like they're like shaking. And of course, we know today when you're going up in the space shuttle, you know, it's like Rattle City, right? Um, and and so, what does John W. Campbell say? John W. Campbell, the, the guy who's wrong about everything, he says, "Oh, it's probably because they're they're sort of a quick job and they're not very smooth or whatever around the edges." Um, yeah, sure. But also, how about the fact that you're moving through, uh, you know? A, a liquid at a very high speed. (laughs) Right. Right? So that's probably more about what it is. I
4: I still think. Well, he was. The war was still going on when he wrote this. Mm -hmm. I I would imagine that. Look, I'm not not as hard. You know, I'll. I'm not as hard on Nolay, and I'm not as hard on Picard. Although I'm harder on Nolay than I would be Picard. Um, Nolay is a a fucking mess. It is a complete and crazy novel. And, but at the same time, I think what I enjoyed about it was seeing how it influenced other writers. So I think Mm -hmm. I had, I had a good time reading it, but I also like was laughing through most of it because every time I read like a PKD novel where the plot goes all over the place and I'm like, what is he thinking? Now I know what he's thinking. He's yeah. thinking like, "Hey, it worked for me when I read A, So he
0: was well. 16 when this came out, and he was definitely reading it. You know, A.E. Van Vogt was his idol, basically, of of the writers right. who were in Astounding, which was the premier magazine. It, his favorite was this guy, and he was writing at the time too. I put up a whole bunch of his short stories that were published in the local newspaper again full of uh you know Japanese uh tanks getting piggyback rides from American tanks and war production and victory gardens and all that stuff. So he yeah. he he's super influenced by this book 100%. But it sounds like Will thought it was okay.
3: Yeah, well, um so uh I want to defend this book on like a couple grounds, but uh the I think the best defense of this book is like probably from like uh, it's uh, greatest critic, uh, Damon Knight, mm-hmm. which was, uh, in the seventies, he, uh, he rescinded his criticism. <laughs> he said, Oh, I didn't realize that A.E. Van Vogt was like, uh, you know, sleeping like 90 minutes at a time and like waking up to write what, uh, he had like dreamed about. Um, you know, uh, we shouldn't judge this, uh, like plot structure on the basis of like, like, you know, just, like, a standard novel. So uh, I think the, uh, I kind of piggybacking on that, I think, like, the novel's disorienting, but I think it's supposed to be. Um, I mean, I think this is actually, like, a kind of an experimental novel. Like, it's, like, also an action yarn. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, uh, I mean, you're, uh, you know, we're trying to, like, get the effect that this guy, like, truly, like, doesn't know who he is and what his place in the world is or like why he is Mm -hmm. and it's like it's combined with like some of this like uh superman ideology Mm -hmm. and i don't really read that as like an insincere thing i think all these dudes like like really believed in the superman ideology they did um I, i think it's like important to like like uh modern american culture in general i think people like believe in the superman ideology or at least like used to um i don't think it's just the science fiction guys they like talk about it in ways that like i consider more interesting and like you know like maybe more funny mm-hmm. uh but uh no i i think this this novel's just like i don't know who i am i don't know my place in the world
0: i'm good with um, all that what i'm bad bad with is the is the plot just sort of flopping and flipping and crunching all over the place what i would like is it to be a tight, tight, the plot. a that's what i'm saying is that it's just yeah. like uh, we we did we did the green odyssey that's a good book right the reason that's a good book is be- because i like spending time with the with the characters he's got an idea behind it in fact the world building is so big that just thinking about what's happening in the story and it being fun is super interesting but this is this is an important book but it's bad whereas that's it, it, an unimportant book except it's kind of a little more important because I I like it
2: <laughs> I, 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 I mean I mean the Green, the Green Odyssey is a fun world to think about and think about the characters and think about think about all the implications of the setting but it's a but it's a book that didn't didn't influence anything except farmer's own later works as we discussed in that podcast this book influenced a slew of things even if yes the plotting is terrible and i don't really want to revisit this book now that we've, listen- now that we've listened now we listen to it it's it's just like it's just the it's just this chaos like oh we're gonna do the purge oh no oh no oh no am i really married am i really married to the president's daughter oh maybe not oh no, so, no. here comes a galactic invasion That's oh, my, no
0: like i was thinking about that he's uh, he thought he was married to the president's daughter so he, he calls her up right and isn't that the end of this that sort of uh thing he, she she shows she's supposed to be in town they finds out that she's in town for the games or whatever right is that the end of her for the story i can't remember her coming no up again. she keeps
2: well, coming back no, she keeps, right. she keeps coming back and and her role keeps shifting and sliding it's and it's never defines it's like who a dream really
0: is yeah, it's like a dream yeah and uh, look I, I i know that your your pointed criticism uh uh saying it's a it's like a dream is is about me, because I last night had this dream. I tweeted it a uh, uh, 4.26 a.m. Dreamt I followed loud music, taking a shortcut home from my l- late-night retail job, and found myself at Carib Zombie uh, takeout shack. Shamblers were everywhere, going in and out. I recognized one employee and ordered the special. Another, a real freak, touched me, his corrupted flesh infle- infecting mine. I told him to back off. As where he touched me, my flesh came away. He laughed and spoke a Creole phrase under his fetid breath. I put on my own Creole accent and gave him the counter-response as he shambled away. More, my order came and I took it to go. Spicy takeout. So, this is dream logic. This is the weirdness. But I I wouldn't try and sell that as a novel. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, if you... I was going to expand this it would be into a short story cuz this is this is most stuff shouldn't be novels. Just a fact. Most everything agree shouldn't with be novels, right? That's true. And 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 the fact that almost everything is that's what this book's major problem is.
4: Um Jesse, would you like to hear from uh um, Damon Knight's Cosmic Jerry Builder, his classic essay, he has a whole section where he devotes it to plot
5: mm-hmm. um,
4: in World of null a, and he says, The world of null a abounds in contradictions, misleading clues, and irrelevant action. Shorn of most of these, with the narration sequences straightened out, this is what happens in the story. The original Gosein discovers a process whereby he can reproduce his personality in a series of identical bodies. About 500 years before the beginning of the story proper, one of the series of Ghostings is mutated, uh, which enables him to perform apparently miraculous feats, transportation, and the like. Uh, Ghosting goes to Venus where he discovers that he's actually, well, he gets into the plot, but um, he he breaks down in this essay the four things, uh, plot, characterization, background, and style, And, you know, with a plot, like, you know, he's looking at uh, all the different, he takes it item by item through this essay and takes the time to actually break down why all these plot twists don't make any sense. And it's like Damon Knight's doing that for us. It's hard to really, it's almost harder to follow him trying to unpuzzle this than it was to actually read the novel. But it does a really great job of showing, like you know, what a convoluted mess it is. But, um, like I said, this David Knight essay, like, is, uh, is funny because it, it's almost become more famous. And then he says, finally, I predict, um, I predict where the entire story has been told. It will be found to be nearly as muddled and self-contradictory as the first part itself. And I think somewhere in here, he actually predicts what, what he thought was going to happen in the sequel. But um, but he really goes into it on, on, on the plotting. And um, I would say uh, the plotting is hilariously bad. But at the same time, um, I, I think what Will's saying about how it adds to the kind of insanity of it is kind of important. You know, um, it's something that you either buy into or you don't. Right. And I certainly get, you know, you're either going to go with it or not. And if you try to read into it too much, it's, it's going to ruin your experience for it, in my opinion. But
5: mm-hmm.
4: so, yeah,
0: I mean, you just kind of have to roll with that. Let's hear from Evan. What do you say?
1: Well, I just I, I kind of accept that when I was like, I realized how much has influenced Philip Dick. And Philip Dick has many great novels. Yeah, like the same criticism of plotting, I think, could be mm-hmm. applied to many of his novels. Mm-hmm. And but he always pulls God, it like, He pulls it back say, together. Say, right? like, those ideas, those ideas at the heart of it are really interesting.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's really, do those ideas have value at the end of the day? But and oh, I think there's some things here that have some value. I think like the basic Promethean attitude about humanity in general semantics, I, I kind of like that. I, I don't like it being all like in a formula mm-hmm. the way they do it.
0: Yeah, they're calling but it scientific. I think I, that's a mistake. I also
1: one thing I really was attracted to was how they historicize and contextualize mental illness. I think that thing was really interesting oh. to me about the novel. So, the, the,
0: the, in fact, that whole word, right? The word "sane" and "insane," they're not they're not yeah. science terms at all, and that's what's so hilarious, right? Is that you know he's got the guy his name is Gosain so, yeah and then his uh, the whole idea is that everybody who doesn't practice uh, null a is insane is right insane. and that's yeah. why we have societal problems I'm like actually I think these are structural problems and the fact that we've got a whole lot of people living together and not everybody uh, is interacting in the same way and the and and like this is like political problems a a lot of it so
1: this is why you have to read foucault but foucault is after this guy
0: but there's also there's also this like um you know genetics is like uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 there was another one of those um the guy wrong about everything john w campbell there's a john w campbell article (laughs) that was exactly a uh, it was an essay that was exactly about how in, if if we practice sort of mental discipline and we we become the superman we we can hope to be then what we will have is the ability to change our bodies mentally um am just see if i can find this stupid article i i don't think i sent it um, to you i'm doing it right now i'm doing it right now right so the one the 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 best example in that stupid article was he was saying that um uh, what's that when you get a hole in your stomach from um Ulcer. Ulcer, Ulcer. yeah. It was about yeah. ulcers, yeah. right? And he said that this is caused by, you know, uh basically uh, self hate or something like that. <laughs> I'm trying to find the article. Mental weakness. Yes. <laughs> Mental...
1: But have you guys have you guys read uh like illness is metaphor? Susan Tante.
0: Ah, uh-huh, interesting.
1: No uh, none of you have read this? No. I have not. So Susan Sontag wrote a a very long essay called Illnesses Metaphor and she wrote like a follow-up AIDS in this metaphor and like it's been a while since I looked at it but the basic idea in that book was that or that essay if you put them together it's kind of a short book it's that illnesses have always been sort of interpreted kind of socially and culturally in various ways so like in like uh What's the tuberculosis was like Mm. the romantic disease, right? right? And cancer was always the disease of repression. I think that's what she played with in the first Mm. illness. Cancer is like if you're repressed, like if you've seen True Detective, there's Marty says something like, oh, that causes cancer. If you're like to repress or if you hold in. This toxins this will cause cancer.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not what causes cancer. No,
5: right? I'm going to read this but stupid. St- that's
1: what people sort of think culturally about disease. And then, of course, HIV gets interpreted in all sorts of ways as diseases of excess and and immorality or whatever, you know. And that's that's a whole other discussion. So but she is, had a whole essay if you
0: if you're reading and, astounding, yeah. if you're reading astounding, you can see what Campbell wants. He writes it. He says, this is what I'm yeah. interested in. So this is his, this is from August 1945. This is actually the very first issue, uh, with the very first uh, serialization of Null-A, right? So it's running simultaneously. Uh, Science to Come is the name of the column. It's his editorial page. "...science fiction characteristically bases its material almost exclusively in the physical sciences, more or less necessarily so, since the physical sciences are the only sciences available to our particular culture. There are a number of indications, however, that if our culture doesn't start getting to work on some of our less known sciences, rather probably, quote, there ain't gonna be no culture. Specifically, it's slightly fatal to know (laughs) all about the outside world and practically nothing about ourselves." Currently, the, quote-unquote, mental sciences are simply not sciences, which is, of course, why they don't rate as so-called, quote-unquote, physical sciences. Uh, X-rays and various other types of radiation can cause tissues to disintegrate and slough off. My friend, you can do it by a pure effort of will. You can, by simply willing it, cause the tough, leathery... uh, Sorry, the tough, healthy leather of your fingers, for instance, to break down and crumble away. Any force which can produce so definite a physical effect, it certainly seems, can be detected and measured by physical apparatus. You may doubt that actual destruction of tough skin tissue by simply willing it so is possible. To the best of my knowledge, no one has demonstrated it by conscious determination to show the effect but every dermatologist is acquainted with neurodermatitis. So I suffer from neurodermatitis. It isn't because I'm hating my body. <laughs> okay, <laughs> next sentence, next paragraph. Ulcers, a sort of nervous disease, by effort of will, even if not conscious effort, the otherwise normal lining of stomach can be destroyed, physically, visibly eaten away. So what he doesn't know at the time, of course, and it's only recently discovered, Is that it's actually a, it's like a bacterial virus. Yeah, H. H. pylori. Hysterical blindness, paralysis, or the like are phenomena of the same order, but don't ordinarily involve the physical, visible phenomena of the destruction of healthy tissue. Every doctor is, of course, well acquainted with the acknowledged fact that the duration of an illness or even its final outcome is strongly affected by the patient's mental attitude. This is sort of the, uh, if I pray for you, you'll get better. idea section of of reality and look I'm not saying that you know having people like you is going to be I, I think we need more study but he's saying every doctor knows this there have been many recorded, well-authenticated cases of in- inexplicable, almost miraculous cures of such conditions as inoperable cancer. Cancer, simply for unknown reasons, withers and vanishes. Healthy skin can be destroyed by purely nervous controls. Ulcers appear and eat away the digestive tract under nervous controls gone haywire. Maybe if we just knew something about how the mental forces work, what nervous impulses are, we could, we could explain these Spontaneous cancer cures and make them routine psychomedical therapeutic measures. If an effort of will can destroy healthy tissue, it seems as though it could starve cancer into submission. They are beginning to make starts towards reducing mental science to a physical science, but in an inverse way. The first attacks on on schizophrenic conditions by... Uh, insulin shock therapy followed by mental control shock and other chemical methods where physical science attacks on a mental condition. They consisted essentially of systems that starved the brain of one or another essential fuel components either. So uh, what he does consistently is he picks stuff out and says, this is really interesting. And then he sort of doesn't follow up on the science generally. And, and, and then he says, I, bl- I want it to be true that I could, you know, live forever. Therefore, I will. This is so common in science fiction uh, among science fiction writers. You know, uh, Robert J. Sawyer, he, he wrote about this Sorry. a lot, right? Uh, you know, he's, I'm going to transfer my brain into a robot. Oh, I'm going to live forever this way. I'm going to live, for- like, and uh, if I just eat right, right? This is all bullshit. It, it it's stuff that gets stuck in their heads and then near the end of this uh <laughs> near the end of this um thing he wrote he says this is the line that got me i'm fairly well convinced that the race is fairly indestructible and will survive any next war but our present culture is finished
3: <laughs> oh geez yeah. Uh, so I, 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 we would be so lucky like <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he's writing this you know in august or is published in august 1945 right so uh yeah uh i guess you could always say that our present culture is finished but notice that doesn't sound like a very null a thing to say
3: because
2: no 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 yeah once you reach the null a culture yeah that's supposed to be perfect and good <laughs> Um so so I I want would, I want I want to read I want to read something cuz I I promised you just say I would bring up this author and his book. Okay. So I'm going to read this. On a personal note, let me confess that The World of Nolay and The Players of Nolay, that's the sequel, are the books that in my youth most strongly influenced my mind and opened the realm of wonder to me. Gilbert Gosain has always represented to me what a hero truly is, a man who overcomes not because of strength or ruthlessness, because of his integrity, his sanity, his ability to adapt quickly without hysteria or regret to the circumstance around him. I doubt I would become a science fiction writer had it not been for the inspiration provided by the words and worlds of A.E. Van Vogt. That's oh. that's that is um, puppy writer John C. Wright in his in the introduction to his official sequel, Null A Continuum. OK, that, now the fun part about this is you talked. I talked about those first two books. There was actually a third Null A book pro- published in 1985 called mm-hmm. A 3. Mm-hmm. And in this introduction, he says that he's basically disregarding that entire book. So so he, he basically forks from players in null a writes a sequel to that and just ignores the third book and he goes through the reasons as to why the third book is terrible. Oh
4: it's like <laughs> Superman Returns the
2: Yeah, it's it's like yeah. Super he does a Superman returns on the null A series, which is I mean it's like much of the third book. I'll see you one a little bit. What's the third book is conter- concerned with a fatuous courtship between Gosain and a widowed queen, a neurotic woman who should not hold any attraction for a man like Gosain.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, what? what? Uh, who hears Red's Voyage of the Space Beagle?
2: A long time ago when there was a video game about it.
0: Okay. So that's the one that has one section that is uh, got called Black Destroyer, right? That's the... Y'all you, you know this one? It's the sort of inspiration yeah. for Alien? Oh, okay. Okay, so it's basically, it's a fix-up. It's a bunch of short stories that are, are about this crew, kind of like Star Trek, that flying around the galaxy and landing places and seeing aliens, right? As a fix-up, as a bunch of short stories, it's actually much better than this. Um, but, um, it's terrible. It, it, basically, A.E. Van Vogt is not a good writer. Like,
2: He's a science fiction him.
0: writer He's an interesting idea writer But he's a bad writer And there's a reason he, why he's sort of forgotten
2: he, He's a writer of, he's, a, he's a writer who used the Predominant structure of the time Which is ne- without, without trying to expand beyond it And now, is, now The flaws of the writing I disagree writing.
3: with that Paul I think he's like doing way more than most of the astounding people are I, just
2: put, I think he's that just aside. doing it I think he's doing it better I but but he's still he's still bound to that kind of structure in a way that dates how is this valid? structured
3: like other stories?
0: <sighs> mostly mostly well, it's unstructured. Like That's anything. it's it's yeah. just that it's it's yeah it's not it's not.
2: So, so I, 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 I mean, Boys of the Space Beagle at least I mean has those discrete short stories. I think there are like four of them mm-hmm. that actually gives gives it actually actually some gives it something you can understand. This basically. is just. Yeah, yeah ep- episodes in in Star Trek, the voyage of the space, but whereas this is just back and forth. Let's throw in new elements every so often and just ignore what happened before. Uh, happened before, or maybe a very casual word about the purge before, and just like just leaving it behind. It's it it ha- the the novel has an amnesia about events that happened before.
0: I think I think part of the part of the issue uh, why it's so interesting as opposed to shitty. Is, is because it's kind of, (laughs) that structure is actually support, the shittiness supports its thesis, right? Is that like, uh, one of the things that general semantics is supposed to be, you know, why it's interesting and is that animals, unlike humans, don't Uh... have time-bindedness. Basically, we don't have memory of the past and we, so that's why, why Picard is shitty, is it doesn't have a memory of what actually happened in, in the previous, you know, series, it it says, you know, that stuff about how, uh, the, so what? Uh, like, come on, Jesse. No, no, the, I'm part serious. Of the
4: whole story is the uh, no, you know how that continued suffering of Picard and Seven of Nine, or having been bored.
0: Right, but remember no, how how remember how she got over those things, right? And now we've got <laughs> and and he got over those things. He was back to you know the next week after being Lectus of Borg for ten minutes. He he's you know he's captain and he's fine. Right? Oh
4: bullshit! Because in first contact he was losing his. Yeah, suit. and that's like, a piece of shit. Well, we did No, he had
0: no,
3: to fight no. his brother in the in
4: the vineyard. Jesse he did fight like, his brother in the vineyard. He, yeah, was, yeah, and and he was the he
1: very was, next. He next was stuff. Stuff.
4: And he
0: had a good cry. And
1: he had a good cry. that, and that was went literally one work. episode after
0: of Borg. That's right. but but more importantly. More importantly, I'm more importantly, if you if you say what was the whole thing about the Star Trek universe was that it was a, a utopia where nobody had to like be petty about jobs and and uh, stuff like that. Now, I, I like the subversions that we saw in Deep Space Nine because those are not Federation places, and on the borderlands, you're going to have maybe some interest there, and I think that that's cool. But what we, what we have in the future is we actually have labor problems. We have sort of back and forth shit. So the only thing that supports this whole idea of Picard being a good show is the same thing that supports this being a good book. And what that is, is Picard, if and I actually started thinking, I think Picard has dementia. And that's why he's like having these weird beliefs about everything and why everybody's angry at him all the time <laughs> is that we are seeing the world of Picard, you know, in his declining years as basically through his point of view. So the reason all this weird shit's happening and why it's a Don Quixote style show, which, you know, why the plot doesn't need to make sense and characters are introduced and then not paid off. And then some of them are smoking and drinking and swearing at each other and all that, you know, and the Romulans are attacking the thing that would help them. All of this shit only makes sense if it's a dementia show. And I think that's stupid. That's why it's a bad show. So I disagree with you, but I don't want to turn this
4: into a Picard debate No, but debate that's show,
0: why but... this book is bad, too. It, 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 all the stuff that would support uh, the idea of you know him being, uh, having, his continual memory is what makes him go sane, right? What makes him who he is. And this time-binding idea, which is, built in, you know, the fact that we have a history and we have a memory and we have these ideas, like, wh- why, why uh, anti-Semitism was so strong in Germany for so long, right? Is because they had this cultural legacy and this cultural memory. When a tiger eats a deer or whatever they eat, they don't say it's because your ancestors were mean to my ancestors, it's because they're hungry and that's why there's no morality involved, right? It's just what they do. But when a Nazi puts a Jew in a concentration camp and kills them, that's a bad thing. And the reason it's a bad thing is because it's unjustified. If we had just understood things better, if we had just seen people for what they are and not the labels that we give them, uh, that we're all the same and blah, 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 then everybody would be cool. Right? So, so – uh-
3: so, yeah, for like, uh, I, I keep defending this novel, um, and it's good that somebody is, mm-hmm. but uh, the... Uh, I am, too. I, thank you, brother. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so Sorry, I, I, still I lost live. my thread there. I do have, like, some problems with this, like, whole, like, Null-A structure, though, and I think uh, the least Null-A thing about Null-A is this idea of a fundamental difference between human intelligence and animal intelligence, mm-hmm. like... It's like you're obsessed with this idea of saying like how humans are different from animals. So you have to like be like, oh, well, when I do like a certain kind of behavior, that's animal behavior. But Mm -hmm. if I do another kind of behavior, that's human behavior (laughs) like that's. I agree
0: agree with that, though. So, uh, you know, you have that in Dune. You've probably seen the original movie. If you haven't read the book, I know you should drop everything and do that right now. But Uh, let's just say there's that scene. With the box where he says, yep. she says, put your hand in the box and an animal will pull its hand out, chew its arm off to escape. But a human can withstand any pain or something like that.
2: Yeah, I suggest you may be human is is what uh, right. the Reverend Mother says. Says so. Yeah, she's right. testing so, his humanity by his self-control.
0: Or, you know, the ability of a human to forgive another human for a crime that they committed um, gets us past the tit for tat. <sighs> Which is built into us being humans versus uh, animals being, you know, they they don't have any cultural legacies. They have very few.
3: We we know that's not true, but uh, like some uh, animals do have culture. uh, They have
0: culture, but they don't have cultural legacies in the same way. So they they have skills that they can pass along, but they don't have uh, histories that they can pass along.
1: I will say yeah, this is a really important part of social ecology. Have any of you studied social ecology at all? I don't. Not to that. throw in another bizarre idea. Please
5: do. But I think it's okay, better okay. than
1: general semantics. Yes. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it has to be. Like, we come out of nature, right? And what it kind of plays with this idea of like how humans. It comes from Murray Bookchin. He's the guy who wrote this stuff. But. That are different than nature, even though they kind of evolve from nature. And one reason is because we create communities, right? And that's kind of what this time-binding idea comes down to, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
1: We yeah. are able to carry on ideas. And those can be bad ideas or good ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, sustainable ideas or unsustainable ideas. And... Like, I think one of the most intriguing things about the general semantics for me is this time binding. That's the one that kind of holds up when mm-hmm. I kind of read through Wikipedia on this,
5: mm-hmm.
1: is the time binding. Because that, that does seem to be true in that we are able to create cultural institutions that transcend nature in some way, right? Like monogamy, take that one, right? Mm-hmm. Which seems to be quite outside of our nature, if you want to say it that way. Right, we create marriages, we create states, we create property—all these things that aren't in nature—and we sort of pass them on. That's—I think there's some truth to that. Animals don't do that, mm-hmm. as far as I know.
4: Well, I, I do want to say that as much as I'm defending this book, I like World of Nulla the same way that I like Commando. Um Or <laughs> oh. USA. Okay, By so time. this
0: is this is perfect because uh Will ad- asked me this very difficult question. Was it yesterday? Will you said isn't mm-hmm. Isn't there anything garbage that you like? And I'm like, Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I did ask uh, you have you to that. get. So if this uh, Commando oh, is see, garbage, I love a lot of garbage, but I understand why people would say it's garbage. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's a fantasy. It's a it's a fantasy. But I love yeah Commando. Traditionally, should be thought of as garbage. I agree. Keep going. Well, it's
4: the Citizen Kane of of '80s action movies. Um, but um, yeah, I, yeah, that I do makes think. Sense. Yeah, I think the thing is that I I just don't think Nolte has so many problems. But the thing is, is nothing is so bad that I wasn't entertained while I was reading it, and that's the most important thing for me. Mm. I was having a lot of fun. Mm. Now, if I had re- if I hadn't read this after doing two years of a Philip K. Dick podcast, mm. I'm not sure I would have enjoyed it as much I agree. as I did. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. so,
5: yeah.
4: So I think that's a huge part of it because um, if you look at my copy of Null a, that I highlighted the shit out of it and there's tons of parts where I highlighted and then and wrote PKD mm-hmm. like on the side because it's like I was pointing out and highlighting the parts that are very Philip K. Dick. When we eventually cover an LA on our podcast, which we're going to later this year, um, we're going to drill down on those a little bit more deeply. But, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things about this book for me was that I was entertained in that way. But I did, by the way, find um, the most intense and visceralizations of this book by David Knight and I thought you guys would enjoy this. Mm -hmm. This is from towards the end of the essay. He says, um, I'm attacking Van Vogt on literary, not political grounds. So I shall not say what I think of the man who loves monarchies. Neither do I think it's relevant that these stories were written and published during a time when both Van Vogt's country and ours were at war with dictatorships, except insofar as it serves to accentuate this point. Obviously, Van Vogt is no better acquainted with the current events than he is ancient or modern history. Ouch. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
4: and then, well, then he goes on to say, still another trend is the plot wherein the leaders of two opposing parties turn out to be identical, Slang, or Slan and the Weapon Shop. This trend, however, does not appear in Van Vogt's work but in that several other of astounding writers use this as well. In general, von Vogt seems this is where it really in general, von Vogt seems to me to fail consistently as a writer in these elementary ways. Number one, his plots do not bear examination. Two, his choice of <laughs> his choice of words and sentence structure are fumbling and insensitive. Mm. And three, he is unable to either visualize a scene or make a character seem real.
0: That's Philip K. Dick at his worst. Does that exact exact same yeah. stuff, but um, he ge- yeah. generally does it better. And and when he does choose to characterize a scene, you know, describe it, what's going on, it's beautiful. I wouldn't say. I, I would say Van Vaught. It's almost, you know, how much I love. Um, uh, what's his name? The Polish writer who writes uh, Conrad, what? Joseph Conrad. When Joseph Uh-oh. Conrad writes, he writes like he he was born in English and you know uh, studied Shakespeare his whole life, and it's beautiful. <laughs> this guy's the opposite. It, it feels like he was not born in an English-speaking country and that he's doing his best. <laughs> um, but it's not terrible. It's just not good. I think it, it's just the structure the plot structure is it's 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 serial it's designed that way it's not short story I, uh tight it's, it's not good it's
2: not novel yeah it is i mean it's, it's it's like i said before it's the flash gordon serial structure in a novel yeah uh,
3: yeah i just uh i i have uh i have two thoughts on this one um i uh I found it devastating that like Paul came on this podcast and said, well, this is like Flash Gordon and therefore it's trash. So, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, I didn't quite say that, but you you said it, brother, you said it. So uh, I think you should investigate that and see if you actually feel that way. And two, um, I'm not uh, saying I don't like,
2: like the, the plot crack. structure
3: of this, the, the plot structure of this novel is like the most interesting thing about the novel is it's like, it's, is the zigzagginess, the disorientation. And I mean, like Gosain is going to be like somebody you've like never met in your life. Right. Like he seems like honestly, like kind of normal for somebody who has like no memory of himself. Who's yeah. like experiencing like the most like, like extreme, like, series of dissociative events I can imagine uh, like
0: you know I think uh, that's
3: uh, like he's like he's, the, I, I'm with like it's not like a like the the language he's not a great writer
0: do android stream of electric sheep is a much better version of this story right it, it, it's not the same story at all but it's it's it, the fact that you've got a a hero that may be you know a construction yeah. right a, a, a an implanted memory guy um, that's cool. Now, uh, one of the things I don't know about that. I don't. I I don't read that into the novel. I understand that. I I I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily there. I think it's just interesting. I think, think that's about, more of the. Movie. That's in the movie for sure. Yeah, that's the movie. But the thing yeah, is, is, is what a book is is what you t- what you take it to be. So this is always why I'm so obsessed with that that joe Cinnadella character in man in a high castle joe Cinnadella is so fucking interesting because mm-hmm. he is both an italian at some times and uh, uh an aryan nazi and uh just a truck driver guy right so uh, there is no fact of the matter that's what's so cool about a fiction story there's no there is no guy it's based on right it's not a historical figure and so there is no fact of the matter. Whether Philip K. Dick intended it or not, whether that chapter in Blood Money is in the right order or not, it's what we have. It's the piece of art we have. And any reading that you can put into it uh, from citing sources within the text is legit. So I like to think of our hero in... What's his name? De- Rick Deckard? Um Decker. I like to think of him as the way we are in the story we're just plopped down in the middle of the story middle of a guy's life we have all this backstory that we're finding out about and we are like him artificial constructs um he's an artificial construct for sure because he's not a real person right like that so the thing is is in this book uh there's cool ideas and i could see why like philip k dick said oh my fucking god this is the most amazing thing he's Seeing inside my head, and then he's ignoring all the sort of regular junky uh, astounding stuff. And The thing is, is, is <laughs> Will, you have terrible taste. <laughs> I like you, I, you like me, therefore you have terrible taste. But like that, uh, the one we did recently, the Sophie oh. Wenzel Ellis, it's exactly like this just like, <laughs> no
2: crochet, <laughs> uh, of light, yeah, right. Well, it's, no, it's, I mean, I, I yeah,
1: that novel where just bad eugenics the ideas behind this novel are at least interesting to talk about
0: well no 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 i'm not saying it's uh, it's a it's a bad story i'm saying it's like like this book is stupid but it's interesting and so i'm not like that's why I, i'm 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 so not with people who do reviews with star ratings or you know out of tens or whatever I, I, it just doesn't make any sense because you have to take everything for what it is, and you can't comp- you can compare it to other stuff, but you can't say, um, <laughs> I gave it 4.9 stars, and the other one is 4.7 stars, therefore I'm right. You've made a huge fundamental error, right? So Sophie okay. Wenzel Ellis's story is not on the scale of this one in length, right? But it is on the scale of astounding being sort of this magazine uh and amazing, you know, having a lot of sort of junky, pulpy, um thrown together bits that, you know, I need to sell something. Whereas when, when you're reading Lovecraft, he almost doesn't care about markets at all. So there are times when he does in a couple of stories, but generally he's writing to please his own aesthetic love. And that's what makes him so different and so weird compared to Philip K. Dick, who is constantly worried about whether something will sell. And then when something is good despite that, it's like wow, you know, the fact that it has to conform to fit a market this this is so well, market oriented it, it was not designed to be read after it was published, right?
4: They, I, I think there, there are points where Dick stopped well, he never totally stopped worrying about the market, but there are bits and pieces in books where he set off with He's Without distracted.
0: He's distracted from his, his market goal, which is to get some money for, and be, you know, mm-hmm. famous science fiction writer and all that stuff. That's why he always is trying to pursue that dignified, uh, you know, realism books that nobody likes. Um, because he, you know, he has other goals too, but with a pure, like when you read Clark Ashton Smith poetry, you aren't going to say, Oh my God, this is going to sell so well. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the purpose right. of it. It's the, it's the opposite, and 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 this is it, it, I, what Will likes about it is that it's it's sort of it's it's like those Superman comics from the from the. 50s. It's a,
3: it's in a similar, It's a super science story. It's a super in a way. Uh,
0: yes, yeah. here the super science is a science of the mind, and everybody. Uh, I mean, that's why I think you know. Can read uh, the next book to read right after this is. Is uh, Philip K. Dick's first Solar Lottery because it it says that was really 100%. cool. That book was really cool. Um Now I'm going to write <laughs> I'm going to write my version of that, and it's going to be better. And it is slightly better. It's even though it's not a great book, it you know it's a good Philip K. Dick book. It's it's like he's he's embraced different ideas from this, and then he's sort of concentrated it down and not been so sloppy with the plot, just you know introducing stuff for no reason. Well. Well to change well I will
4: I, I will say this and, and Will, I'm gonna defend your taste a little bit um, thank you <laughs> uh, I gave the book I know you don't like star ratings, but you know on our show we we always do a rating and uh, I would give I gave this book four go sayings out of five um, and the
0: reason <laughs> I, I think I there's did, only two ghost sayings <laughs> in this book sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, well, we I, technically, there that, was going to be a third. Oh, oh, I guess maybe there's. It depends on how you count. There's a pre-Gosain. Yeah, I'm, I'm
4: just rating. I'm rating, and there could be <laughs> many more Gosains out there. I haven't read the sequel yet. But listen, <laughs> yeah. the, the point is, is that I know the book is trash in many ways. But because of the experience that I already talked about, the Philip K. Dick thing. But there's also, I mean, I also love that there's a weapon called the vibrator and that there's um, a <laughs> disruptor just, yeah. Dis- well, there is a vibrator. There's a and-
0: vibrator and a disruptor. Oh. Don't worry. There's two.
4: And I like the explanation of how they call up robo planes. And, mm. you know, this was written in the forties and you can't get away from the fact that you're 80, 90, almost, you know, almost 80 years of, uh, away from when this book was written. And it is kind of cool to see what kind of ridiculous space opera was being published during the Second World War. And, and I think that there is a historical value to that, that if you're rating it now, you, you, you have to factor in. Uh, my co-hosts on Dickheads cannot stand that I constantly say, you have to consider when this was written mm. um, all the time. And they hate that I do that. And but at the same time, we do a segment on our show, what was happening Mm -hmm. in the year that this book was published, because I think it's important Mm -hmm. to remember that, like, for example, that the year Martian Timeslip came out was when there was an uproar over Elvis's hips on TV, you know, Um, because Dick is writing like really intense, like, you know, weird sci fi at a time when the majority of the country was not there. You know, and um, yes, it's cool to think about a 16 year old Philip K. Dick sitting, you know, at his home and in, in uh, wherever he and his mom were at the time. Um, and he's like laying in bed reading World of A and like how that got his mind working is really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's also cool to think about the fact that, you know, there were probably soldiers like um, on the. You know, dealing with the aftermath of the war, um, who were getting astounding sent to them in the mail, and that's Mm kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that, that that's a valid thing to think about when you're, when you're ultimately judging the world of Nolay in 2020. Mm
1: -hmm. I've been, I've been trying to look for a book. I can't find it, but I, I know I read it, but, uh, I want to go back to this issue of mental illness, and it's going to tie into what David was saying here about like World War One, World War Two veterans, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because this idea of sane and unsane, right, and mm-hmm. kind of there being a social context to it, I, I really think that there's something at least historically valuable in interrogating that a little bit.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Like the the book I'm thinking of, and if I ever find it, I'll, I'll let you know what it is. It. It talks about the history of mental illness in the post World War II era in the United States, and so one thing they found was people who went into the war sane came out of the war unsane in a way, right? Like in the old days, they called shell shock. Now they call it PTSD or something, right? But in World War II era, they didn't really know what to call it, but it was clear the social context of war created mental illness right?
2: And in the aftermath
1: of that, many, like, I don't know, many, but some people who studied mental illness started saying, wait, maybe there isn't a mental illness. Maybe it's all social. Maybe it's all cultural. Maybe it's all in the context. Right. And like Thomas Sands or whatever, however it's pronounced, he was like the big name in this. Right. So what he wrote a book called the myth of mental illness. And he basically said, like, there's no physiological underpinning to mental illness. It's all in the mind, right? But these were ideas that were there at the time. And, you know, it's it's just part of Van Vogt's right, context. Mm-hmm.
2: I, yeah. I, I mean, Jesse, this goes into a book I've told you I want to do, which is Walled in Two by B.F. Skinner, mm-hmm. which talks about operant mm-hmm. conditioning and— and mental structures and how you can order society based on thinking. And I think we definitely yeah. need to do that book.
0: All right. I, I want to give Will a better book. It's si- very similar in a lot of ways, but funny, funny, funny. This book is not funny. I don't think I laughed at all. I was smiling because I was thinking about Philip K. Dick a lot. But I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't enjoy this book as a funny, enjoyable and No, it wasn't romp. funny. It
4: was jarring.
0: It was interesting, but uh, uh,
4: not I laughed fun. a lot, but not funny. Not- for things that he meant to be, funny. yeah, no, but, yeah,
0: it's but you're like, oh Lord, what now? Yeah, sort you of. shake your head, funny. Yeah. Um, like weapons, the space the vibrator by uh, <laughs> Paul and Cornbluth. Have you read that? Well, which uh, what, what's the name of the, the book? Space sorry. Merchants. Uh, yes, by Philip. Space what? Uh, sorry, space sorry. merchants.
3: <laughs> space merchants, and it's a Pole and Cornbluth joint. Yes, it's a cold Cornbluth mm-hmm. blo- sure.
0: joint about. A project to uh, I don't know colonize Venus, but uh, and it's got sort of the junk herky jerky plotting um, of a serial. It was published in Galaxy, which is a far better magazine in my view than Astounding. Astounding it has lots of interesting stuff, but uh, Galaxy was consistently a better magazine, I think. Um, and one of the cool things about it is it, it's dealing with political problems in a way that I think are much more hypercritical and relevant as, as they were back then, as they are today. Um, basically corruption of corporations, you know, corrupting governments and everybody's living in stairwells. And, and it's just, you know, so you have the senator from Coca Cola coming in and <laughs> doing his speech and they have these, uh, there's this new food that's out there that's a hyper chicken or whatever it is, and uh, they're you know inside these giant chickens that have been grown in vats, um, and swaps you know it's basically it's everything McDonald's. It's very bird. good. And it's an amazingly interesting book, but it's also really funny. Um, and it is hilarious. It is it really is funny, and book. the original serialization in his galaxy is an even better. Title is called Gravy Planet, which I think is just. Uh, Basically, I, it, you know, why do you c- want to colonize Mars? Why do you want to colonize Venus? Well, we have this aspiration. And actually, what's the real reason? Well, the military industrial complex is going to make so much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I mean, you, you have to have read this, haven't you, Evan?
0: You read the space Yeah, Persons? I read the space first. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I say, otherwise, this would be completely new house and how it criticizes hyper capitalism in a very pointed way in the 1950s. And I mean, the whole point of like, I mean, I remember when the, when the protagonist winds up in a, in a factory in central America and there's the, Mm -hmm. the food that makes him crave the cigarettes, which makes him crave the drink, which makes him crave the food and loses all his money. Just chasing all that while stuck in this factory. It's very Robert Sheckley
0: uh, in comedy terms and and because it's dealing with the same kinds of problems societal problems but it's not saying here's like really if you want to understand what the fuck's going on in the world you know you look at the history and what you see have is a series of fucking errors Right, Huge fucking errors that science. some guy came up with an idea and everybody says, no, you're fucking wrong. Here's why you're wrong. And the next guy comes up and he says, well, I, I like this. And then, no, you're fucking wrong. You're really fucking wrong. Here's how you're wrong. So anytime you posit a here's a solution, what you're really going to get is, no, here's how you're fucking wrong. Um, so when you do have any sort of progress, it's sort of progress in this thing didn't work out. Right. Why Newton's interesting is not because he was right about how, you know, the Bible's a secret code to tell you about how reality is. Um, it's uh, that, because that
2: might be interesting. It, say.
0: It, it might be interesting, <laughs> but ain't, ain't, it ain't true. Um, 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 and, uh,
2: that, that, that novel's been written. It's called Newton's Canon by <laughs> G. Gregory Keyes.
0: What this book explicitly says is, you know, if you get down to more, what what the re- refinement is, is getting more decimal places in, right? You know, um, and then yeah. one of the things I liked about this book, a really kind of cool scene, is, and it's typical with Van Vaught, totally undercooked and doesn't explicitly say it. He just sort of dashes off to do something else instead. When we get telepathy between him and it's never called telepathy, I don't think, or maybe it is, but it's not dwelt on uh, the telepathy between him and his self, I guess at the end, right? His 75 year old man self. Um, <laughs> the reason they have telepathy, I think is not because there are actual waves of information being transmitted across the ether, but rather it's because they're thinking the same thoughts, right? So, when it's no. like
4: a, it's, because they're the same person really
0: well and and because they have the same so like it's like when you and your friend you just finished listening to a joke and then someone else walks in and they say something and then you both turn to each other and laugh that idea of you having the exact same thought at the exact same time is what makes that happen
3: right? oh see uh, i just thought it was I was definitely reading it as some kind of like quantum phenomenon or, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like. uh, But I think it's
0: the other way. I I understand that that's the normal way of reading these things. Yeah. And I mean, that's often how, you know, with those, when in SLAM they have these little antennae at the top. Yeah. They solve this, solving the same problem. Basically, everybody's, the reason everybody hates each other is because we aren't sharing and understanding or, uh, and that's why when you go into Heinlein, um And he has this great word, g- grok, right, from Stranger uh, yeah. in a Strange Land. Stranger. It yeah. actually fills a function. And I think this is so great that grok fills a function that isn't a word that we already have. So I grok this book um, and you grok this book. I think we all grok this book pretty well. Uh, there's some parts I grok less well, but I grok it in general. I just don't like this flavor, you know. Yeah, <laughs> water, brother. Let me tell you, <laughs> this is not the best drink available.
3: <laughs> I, I, mean, I like. I'm not excited. The impurities to like to in this water are pretty bowls. bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I my uh my thing with this piece of art is like, um, it's like doing something that's interesting to me. Um. Uh, the thing that the protagonist is experiencing is, like, truly terrible, if you, like, think about it at all.
0: One of the end of the serials, it's really fun, if you look at the PDF, uh, one of the end of the serials is when he's trying to convince himself to kill himself. <laughs> Uh, and oh, so it oh, yeah. ends, oh, right with him yeah, saying, I, um, "Kill yourself, kill yourself, yeah. kill yourself."
2: I, I know, I, I know you don't like trigger warnings or anything like that, Jesse. But given my own history, uh, that, that, that section you're was really the word trigger. Yeah, that 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 section was really difficult for me to take. It's like. I really didn't like that section at all because of my own issues. It was like, oh my god, is he? I kept thinking, is he actually going to do it? This is, this is, this is not what I want to read. Please, please make the nine hundred page, nine hundred word change now because I need, I need to get over this crap. Yeah, I didn't like that section at all,
0: Evan. I mean, you... I, yeah.
4: Uh, One thing that's interesting, too, is uh, I said that Knight had predicted what he thought was going to happen in the Mm -hmm. sequel. And when Will said, uh, I'm not rushing out to read the sequel, I'm not really either. I'm not really um, probably going to read the sequel, although I have it on the shelf. Um, But I will say that um, it, it was funny because his prediction for the sequel was that he would discover that there was a whole line of ghost sayings going far back in history. And then you find out that the original ghost saying yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Oh and,
3: man. <laughs> and I,
4: I kind of I thought that was so insane that it was just like, it, <laughs> it was a, an interesting idea, but um, I don't, I don't know that anybody had the insanity to go that far, but um,
0: Damon the, should have written some fan fiction. Oh, Damon well, yeah. Damon Knight's uh, great. He's a critic, but uh, the story I really like of his is "Behold the Man." That's him, right? Pretty sure. No, not. no, 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 that's
4: no. Moorcock.
0: Moorcock, Moorcock. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. So that that would that didn't quite fit. I'm trying to find that section of this very tattered.
4: Uh, Damon Knight was a good writer too. Um, I oh, he was okay. Most well Most well known for his. The story that got turned into a Twilight Zone episode, but he he was a great writer too. Um, but I I would say he was almost a better critic than he was as a writer. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the thing is with this story again. Um, I would say also too, if you guys haven't read, um, alas, all thinking. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it. Uh, he wrote the story that inspired uh, Day the Earth is Still. Alan Bates, I think, or. Henry Bates or Harry, Harry Bates.
5: Bates, Harry Bates,
4: Harry Bates, yeah. And so he wrote a story called *A Last All*, thinking that um, that's the other story that Philip K. Dick has has pointed to as being like one of the biggest inspirations for him to start thinking of writing science fiction. And we did an episode on that story uh, a while back, but um, I think that, that these two, in concert with each other, are, are important. For understanding dick um and pkd um and and i know you know evan and i are both like you know deep divers on on pkd but i think we all are and mm-hmm. and i think it's because you know he had, was so important for the 20th century of, of science fiction but uh, you know as much as i clowned on vote a lot here um I definitely, you know, appreciate he was doing what he was doing at a time, you know, really early on, and 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 I think as a historical document, this is definitely a, a, an important book to read. And I, I agree, Jesse. It's more interesting than good.
0: Mm-hmm. But I want to I want to ask Evan, uh, what do you make of all these quotes at the beginning of every chapter? You know how Um, it starts, and sometimes they're attributed to people we know, or sometimes they're attributed just to AK, so Korbinski or whatever. Um, Yeah,
5: I
1: actually thought of them in terms of general semantics, to see how they fit into the overall philosophy of general semantics. I think they mostly did.
0: Chapter 18. Nevertheless, Mm -hmm. the consuming hunger of the uncritical mind for what it imagines to be certainty or finality impels it to feast upon shadows. ETB. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. So they're like these little pearls of wisdom that we're supposed to. Uh...
2: Epigraphs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. I think like this doesn't have to be general semantics. Doesn't have to be like some kind of like concrete philosophy. It just. I mean, the good in this is in good philosophy, and the bad of it's in bad philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I think. Yeah, you can mind quote these ideas. Like, if you have non-Aristotelianism, that's like quite a lot of philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, time bending that's in a lot of good ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, Leibniz, like, he even, like, established that in the novel, right? Like, Leibniz versus Newton. Leibniz being the null A, right? hmm Versus... Newton's more of the, like, I don't know I've if Newton seen. would be a Zotilian, but he, he, he establishes Leibniz as somehow an L.A. kind of, or an early figure in L.A. And yeah, I, I can see that, but it doesn't have to be like a weird school in Vienna or something.
5: Mm, like that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what kind of freaks me out about this general semantics stuff. I guess it kind of, because it did sort of evolve into Dianetics, I guess that doesn't help, help it yeah. at all.
0: Dianetics is a fork,
5: for sure.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a certain fork, although I guess general semantics, if we read this novel straight, does literally want to become the government.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, like that's
3: who the government is. That's why I love solar lottery. What <laughs> going to trust you.
0: What's Philip K. Dick's solution? <laughs> we randomize it. <laughs> yeah. Um. That way,
2: it does avoid a lot of a lot of the uncomfortable things that this novel suggests. I mean, ra- ra- randomization is is certainly a more palatable government than. I mean, I don't want to live in the world of Nellie. I really
1: don't. No, but- well, There's a better, least, actually, a novel that if you're talking about games, like game players of Titan, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we, yeah, that's it's a really good, realistic because there you have like people who own property, like playing games with property. I wanted to see like,
0: more games in this winning
1: movie. or losing, but that's the stock market, right? What, what yeah, that is the where, stock were, market. where were the games? Yeah, on it's like book? rich it's... people playing games with money that's not really real for them in any meaningful sense, so, right? Billionaire okay. loses five hundred million. Doesn't affect him one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. So and on that's done yeah. really well in Game Players of Titan, I think. And it's just you know they're even swapping wives and you know yeah. those
2: whole cities. Yeah, once again Dick, showing Dick that went far beyond Abe and yeah. Doc then, and and doing it better.
5: Yeah, yeah that
1: was he a, did, bit but... of a later novel, but Solar Lottery know. completely ranked
2: yeah 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 i mean solar Rotary is a very pro it's very proto dick in that way but yeah by the time he gets to Titan he's actually uh refined ideas in a way that andy any never it's actually does not, it's, and
4: well on uh, like, i don't know
1: i can't it? i can't i don't know if 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 phil dick was predicting like Wall street as a realm of just games and tricks but like it, it's there and, and like i'm reading into the book
0: what what you got david i don't care on page, uh,
1: like game players of titan like i'm not sure if um, dick really was seeing that as like wall street but that's how i see it so whatever uh, i think
4: i think that that's a fair assessment of game players <laughs> of titan, Evan. but um mm-hmm. on page 88 of a um, uh, world of null a there's this uh voice that's speaking to Gosain. Um, i can't remember where i think it's the robo plane that's talking to him mm-hmm. yeah it's the robo plane and he says to understand the political situation here you must reach out with your mind to the furthest limits of your ideas of ultimate democracy there is no president of venus no council no ruling group everything is voluntary every man lives to himself alone yet conjoins with others to see that the necessary work is done. This reminded me of, like, ideal forms of um, political anarchism just randomly in the middle of of, of this, and, um, you know, which has been explored better in science fiction by uh, Le Guin and Spinrad uh, later on, but I, I did find it interesting that he's kind of suggesting that this Venus society is like, hey, once we do the games, we figure out who 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 can handle it. You can go to Venus and be an anarchist. Mm. Um, well, then... it's like gated community socialism
3: here, though. <laughs> it's like, yes. uh, it's so like totally. you can only live in our like like utopian society if you're like one of the smart, good people. Yeah,
4: and some of the, you know when
3: you
2: get it's to the, the
0: Galt's Gulch Gulch oh, planet. <laughs> yes, that's, that's thank you, Jesse. Beat me to it.
4: And that's one of the fun things about some of these books, too, is if you extrapolate it and say it that way, like that, you know, that they're playing the purge to become Venus anarchist. Like, um, it, it's just kind of fun that way. I know, like, um, one of the worst books I read for our 60s Hugo reads was um, Fritz Lieber's The Wanderer. And the book sounds much better if you say that, if you point out that there's anarchist sex cats in the book. Uh, but it's, you know, I, I've definitely talked to people that have read that and been like, what? And then I'm like, yes, there are anarchist sex cats in The Wanderer. Um, you just, <laughs> trust me, it's, it, it's weird, but, uh, but it's true. <laughs>
5: um,
4: and, uh, you know, I think sometimes it's fun to kind of pulp out with, with, with these and just and look at it in those ways even though we're talking about intense political ideas, because that's the thing is that I think, you know, for me, I did like the idea of the suggestion that, you know, because the, the concept here that he's talking about is mutual aid and the whole thing of like, if you're going to be responsible enough you're going to do it, then, then you can live this way. And, and, um, which sounds interesting. Um, I don't know how practical it is with real human beings. Um, that have not had 600 years of a, of a machine running a game to socialize them into it. But regardless, you know, hey, Von Vogt's thinking about fun and interesting and weird things, so let's go with it. And if you think about it in a Flash Gordon sense, it's fun
0: too. Vulcan's you know? Hammer is a much better version of this book. And, and so is Solar Lottery. <laughs> They're both much better versions. I really like Vulcan's Hammer. I know it's not as yeah. uh, respected amongst Philip K. Dick's books, um, but he's got some ideas going in there, and they're kind of similar here. It's it, it just sort of more concentrated, and also just better writer. Um, so
4: Vulcan Stammer is way better than it's given credit for. Yeah, I,
0: I, yeah, it's not well respected.
2: Yeah. No, no, but you, me, you, Marissa, and I liked it enough when we yeah. did the podcast on yeah, yeah, it. So at least we liked it.
0: Yeah, I, I think people think it's trash. Um, probably a, a lot of people. Um. They just look at the cover, you know, like how it's it's published in a paperback. I can't believe I I just
2: laugh every time I think of the cover though with the giant thing flying at his it's head. It's great.
0: It's great. Um but uh, like just like if you publish in a hardcover, then you're legit. And if you publish in a paperback, you're trash. Um, And then,
2: apocalyptic understood himself because he wanted to be a published hardback mainstream writer so badly.
0: Right. So that's why I had such such trouble, Will, with your question: Is there any garbage that I like? I'm like, well,
5: I uh, I think I I only like garbage.
0: I don't know.
3: Well, like, so I don't even. uh, So, if (sighs) we're being honest, like, I don't really uh, like believe in the ideological construct of like. Like, this is the good art, this is the bad art, um, like, and this art is bad because it's, like, commercially available, and this art is good because, like, the smart people say that Mm. it's good.
0: Um, uh, Yeah. You know what I like? I I, This is kind of close to it. I I really like VHS, direct-to-VHS movies from the 90s, you know? Um, Like... Or, like, they were TV movies and they were, you know, and then they went straight to video for the video market. Um, did you
3: see the Noah's Ark one that had, like, the Sodom and Gomorrah
0: scene? <laughs> I did not. Um, <laughs> I did not. Um,
4: hey, look, any, anybody with a budget and resources can make a good movie, it takes some serious cojones to make a truly fucking piece of shit movie and put it out to the world. Yeah, so in like,
0: my like uh, um, I w- I think I was talking about him uh, with Sophie Wenzel Ellis, um who's the uh, filmmaker Ed Wood, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's he's bad, but because he tries so hard and he's so earnest, um, it's 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 not bad exactly the way other things are bad like like a uh, Picard's bad because it's, it's, it's basically, they don't Not care. Bad. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> um, they don't care. They don't know. They don't give a fuck. Right. They don't care. They don't know. They don't give a fuck, but uh, there's a Christopher Reeve movie. Like there was a direct to video. Um, and I think Joe Mantegna was in it and it was like, it was like, what the hell? This is amazing. Like little thriller movie. And I was like, nobody's heard of this. Nobody cares about this. Um, and like, this is an amazing movie or, uh, um uh, Donald Westlake movie gets turned in, uh, Donald Westlake story gets turned into a slight case of murder which is a great little comedy piece you know like these these are not designed to be great films um in the way that you know whatever you know artistic achievement is getting the academy award this week right it's rather it's 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 good because it's doing what it's intending to do and it's doing it well That's what I like, right? So even if it's if if it's incompetent, like you tried to aim at something and then it didn't work out, oh man, it's it's basically about scale. So um, you know if it's if it's aiming really high and it utters fail, you know, completely, um, that's usually a bad thing. Unless Ed Wood does it, (laughs) he's aiming so goddamn high and he's got no skills. So it's like cute, um, like a puppy falling down, you know. <laughs> puppy I, trying to I, I, attack I, I, a, I don't know, a tiger.
4: Maybe, maybe it's the writer in me, but I, I, like big swings, and even if they're not perfect. And one of the reasons why, and I don't want to, ha- like, we already have this argument on Twitter, Jesse, about mm-hmm. I, you know, Evan and I. It was you, Evan and I, talking about the the economics of Picard, and and I. And I agree that, that there are some things that they should have done to fix it. They should have talked about the aftermath of the Dominion War and how that would, that would make the whole, like, it not being a utopia anymore make, like, economic sense. And But at the same time, like, and this relates back to A, which is that, you know, sometimes, like, I'm all for – I like that – there, you know, when you're Quentin Tarantino, you have the right to take a swing and do break the rules of screenwriting, whereas if I'm trying to send out a screenplay to get it produced and I don't have the credits that he does, people aren't going to let me do voiceover narration, for example, mm-hmm. because it's considered a no-no. Mm-hmm. But if he decides he wants to do it, he can't. And I appreciate that artists get the ability to take that swing and sometimes you get a weird book out of it and that's cool um i I appreciate that um and sometimes with you know pkd a lot of his swings didn't get published until much later in his life some after his death you know and uh you know but it's interesting because we were just talking about this with the unteleported man because so much of the the added material that became Lies Inc. was stuff that Don Mulheim and Terry Carr were like, hell no. Um, we're not doing this LSD dart that sends the book off in this crazy direction for that has nothing to do with the plot. They're like, this is bullshit. It has nothing to do with with the story. But at the same time, I think a lot of people have enjoyed reading that diversion, even though it doesn't make sense with the plot there's some really cool stuff in that yeah,
0: in, in that part. I well, I, I, you know, you you're being a. I'm a writer too. I just don't. I don't I think of myself as that. You know, I write poems and I write short stories. I just don't. I'm not trying to market them. You know, I'm not trying to make. I, I don't see that as part of my identity. But I think a lot of people can appreciate stuff. Um, As, you know, like, oh, this is a good attempt. But I'm actually, like, when I watch a movie, I I took film class. I I understand all the, you know, the techniques that they're employing. What I like is, is it a a cool movie? Did they do a good job with with what their idea is? So I'm talking about this stupid little movie called Above Suspicion. 1995 HBO film. I'm going to read the description. Erotic thriller uh, starring Christopher Reeve. Joe Mantegna, Kim Cattrall, screenplay written by William H. Macy, who also has a small role, premiered on HBO, goes straight to DVD, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Christopher Reeves stars a paralyzed police officer who plots to murder his unfaithful wife and her lover. The latter is both the brother and the police officer or whatever. But the important part is at the end, you find out that he wasn't paralyzed at all, and that's how he did the murder. And then in the courtroom scene, Joe Mantegna is the guy he gubs up, stabs him in the leg with a with a needle and he doesn't flinch because he's got that discipline right he's like they knew and so he gets away with the murder it's like oh that's a great little fun great little idea right and it's because it's not because the director was competently uh you know fulfilling his it's it's a commercial success in the sense that it, it did what it wanted to it got on hbo it got on uh but nobody's ever going to remember this film.
2: But, 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 but no, no, I do remember because you know what the irony is?
0: What's the irony?
2: Like a a, a week after the film came out, Christopher Reeve got paralyzed after his fall.
0: Yeah, there's that too. But so that's not, that's that's the the way, not that's way, why. That's I do about this yeah. movies
2: because I because I, I remember at times like, oh yeah, a week after his movie premiered, it's like, wow, that's just weird. It's
3: so like a little so courtroom it, drama. Be careful what you put the into, into the scene. world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: I'm back at you, yes.
0: It's 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 one of these you know '90s movies where uh, uh, you know they put in a little bit of pornography uh, because it's HBO and they're going to make money this way and, gonna, and yet it all works because it's it's like there's a um, there's a kind of rawness that you don't see in films because you can't the commercial system won't allow that kind of rawness where you've got like basically. Everybody's an amateur. In in the case of this book, there, uh, I was thinking about you're never going to see this on the shelves again of a of a used bookstore, a, a new bookstore. Nobody's going to reprint this, even no. if it's public domain. And the reason is it's just not going to sell, right? It's not worthy of binding up and stuff like that. There's I was surprised there was no audiobook when I was went looking for it, except for this, uh, you know, uh, book for the blind version. But now I understand why. You know, it's not going to sell that well. And yet, as a, it has an important role in science fiction as being a kind of a catalyst and an exemplar. Well,
4: oh. Tor did, did a trade paperback. Like, my my edition is pretty recent. That's got to um, be
0: from the 80s, no? No,
4: no. It's um, – hold
0: on. No, it might, it might have been
2: tied to the John C. Wright book because John C. Wright, um. for the So, yeah, so they – so it's clearly a science fictional history and a mm-hmm.
4: 2002 okay.
2: a place for it.
0: So yeah, ago,
4: yeah, yeah. It's a tour, tour. Um,
0: I I, um, I didn't, I haven't paperback. seen A.E. Van Vot on on a bookshelf, you know, in a Canadian bookstore for years. But again, I'm, you know, Amazon might have millions of things that I've never seen. It's just not like they still have Heinlein <laughs> in, you know, the. And, and, uh, they don't have, a and, yeah. yeah, they have a few dicks and stuff, but yeah. So, uh, no, we have a, this we isn't have garbage, garbage. It's just not good. It's, it's like, it's pulp. It, it, When people say, you know, pulp science fiction, um, I think they think of like Robert E. Howard, but Howard is special. He's like not, he's a really, he's really good at what he did. He knew exactly how to. <sighs> You know, hustle and make it, make it slick and beautiful to read. And so it still, it holds up. This is, this is surprisingly terrible compared to a lot, even yeah. a lot of other st- stuff that's in Astounding. It's, you know, Clifford C. beautiful writer, you know, it is a beautiful, beautiful text, beautiful prose and a stru- plot structure is much better than this.
2: But, but this is the one that's most influent, my, one argue, my, my argument is most influential on the writers that came after. I so, agree. I agree. So, so, so that and that's, weapon that's, shops that's, of Isher
0: is interesting too. It, it, it's not that he was lacking ideas. I said so Simak was was, was an influential too, though.
4: I mean, Asimov would have. Uh, he played. Simak so played the same role for Asimov that Van Vogt did for um, for Dick. Hmm. I would.
0: I would. But Sim C- also had a long, long career, right? Where a-, yes. a. Van Vogt sort of peters out and does nothing after World War II. There's very yeah. Little.
4: Van Vogt. Didn't, didn't uh, move on with the times, and Samak, at least into the '60s, he you know he's, wrote Waystation. He's really it, he's so, a good
0: you writer. Know. He's a really slick writer. Yeah, yeah, we've done a couple I love, of I love Simak, too. Simak. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I love Samak. but uh, but not influential in the same way. I think what what's so cool about Van Vaught is he's kind of like he's pre-dick in that he's thinking these ideas, but he just doesn't have the the natural gift that. You know yeah. that that Dick so, just somehow stumbled into, and that's. I mean, it's yeah. really cool
2: to, to, to use a religious reference. A e. is almost kind of like John the Baptist in a way, yeah. inspire inspiring better <laughs> and greater prophets after him, but well, he himself Dick is Christ.
0: Dick Christ. Yeah. Dick Christ. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, um,
4: so yeah. so so we have a um, a local science fiction bookstore here in San Diego called Mysterious Galaxies. And, um, uh, you know, they have all the Heinlein and all the Dick and all the asthma. They have like giant shells of those. But I think speaking to your point, Jesse, they you know, I was talking to Rob, who is an incredibly who's one of the booksellers. There is incredibly well read. Big Dick had all that. And, you know, he had never heard of Unvote. and He's worked at a science fiction bookstore for the last 15 years. And um, it was an interesting test for me because Rob is incredibly well-read and he's talking science fiction for his job all day long. And um, and it was interesting, too, because he immediately, you know, was like, oh, I'm going to have to read that. And I was like, well,
0: (laughs) there's a reason (laughs) he he doesn't need to know about it
4: yeah, how serious are you about wanting to understand where Dick was coming from? Mm-hmm. And that was the the way I approached it with him was because he is a dickhead, I didn't say, well, look, just know that if you're going to read this, the reason to read it is because of the influence. And, um, and also if you like out-of-date sci-fi, which I, you know, I do enjoy a lot of that. Even- I
0: think there's some yeah. amazing ideas in, in – I, I was reading a really cool essay ab- about the – there was a guy – let's see if I can bring up the name of it. I screenshotted it on my phone. Um, this guy wrote an essay uh, showing how general semantics in science fiction are tied together. Um and I was like, oh, well, this sounds like bullshit. I'll read the article, though. So I started reading. It's called The General Semantics and Science Fiction of Robert Heinlein and A.E. Van Vogt. Um, H.L. Drake is the author, copyright 1977. And he talks about how, uh, influenced, um, how influenced Heinlein was. Um, and he also talks about A.E. Van Vogt. but I thought the Heinlein stuff was pretty interesting. And basically, uh, this is the this is my thesis is why Heinlein's so interesting is because he's fundamentally right in that uh and a lot of people who this stupid fans are slams are fans thing right this is kind of uh, superiority there's something to it and it's stupid it's really stupid but there's something to it um i'm not surprised by anything Right. I, I'm interested and, oh, that's an interesting development. I'm not ever surprised by anything because really nothing's new under the sun. And if you've been practicing the art of reading science fiction for decades and decades, you know, uh, we talked about this with the Frederick Pohl, um, show we did recently. What's it called? Day Million. Right. Day Million. Yeah. This is from 1966 and it's talking about all the transgender stuff, uh, being normal and not interesting. And that's exactly what it is. And so all the sound and fury all around us about, you know, in the news and more importantly, just people identifying themselves as such, uh, you know, as part of their identity, right? Rather than it's just, you know, it's just a fact about their history. That's really interesting that all these people are sort of out of the loop because they're not practicing the art of reading science fiction, which is a kind of way of uh, – it, 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 they are um, antibodies for against surprise, <laughs> right? If you read enough science fiction, you know all of these things are in some way predicted. It's not predicted exactly, but it's predicted in the sense that they are predictable, right?
2: I, 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 I went predict ser- is not the word I'd like to use. I, think I agree. Scene is better. Because I agree. It, because but the novel's not trying to say it's going to happen, but they. I went. I went. Time
0: I went uh, what I would like to do, I like to go and do a search of my own uh, Twitter history and just pick out a word. So I did one for plague yesterday, uh, because that's you know a word that is in the minds of people today. You know how many stories that I I didn't think of. As being plague stories are actually plague stories. I made a list, you know, and tweeted it recently of famous plague short stories and novels. And there's like thousands of them, it seems like. I found at least 30 or 40 times I used the word plague in regard to a short story or a novel or a movie. And there's a, I started rewatching it, a movie called Carriers. Have you guys seen this movie? Uh, I
2: guess I, I, I was talking to you about it on Twitter not
0: so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. With Chris Pine. Yeah. A Chris Pine movie. It's not a great movie, but what's good about it is it's about uh, basically how the United States is going to be in nine months, right? <laughs> everybody's fucked up. The government completely sh- shit the bed. And <laughs> now everybody's fucking plagued, right? Except it's a sort of a more extreme science fiction version of that. But it's exactly, you know, they they shit the bed. And and this is this is the result. And it's like, oh yeah, well, that's the a sheep, cool idea.
4: the Sheep Look Up is the, the science fiction novel right now that people should be reading.
0: Runner, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well I haven't, yeah, read, look, I haven't read the Sheep Look up. Well, I'm that, thinking isn't about, that an overpopulation book? Well, it's lots of things. No, 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 that's no stand on
2: Zanzibar is overpopulation okay. book. The sheep right. look up it's this environmental degradation book all
5: right
4: yeah it's it's about pollution but it's also about disease vectors and it's about economic collapse under those situations and and literally there's a point where a, a, a talk show host like basically says you know we're just gonna have to let a couple million people go because otherwise we're not going to get ecological balance and um, the Sheep Look Up is, is one of my top 10 sci-fi novels and one of my top 10 horror novels of all time, both. And um, I was thinking about rereading it starting hmm. when I'm reading Nick and Son right now, and then um, for social distancing purposes. And um, then I'm going to uh, probably read The Sheep Look Up, and I was actually looking for somebody who wanted to do it with me for the podcast, so if I'll anybody's have to, interested... I'll have, to, I'll have
0: to look into it. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, uh, yeah. here, here's a, a, a list I tweeted six days ago. Uh, Edgar Allan posed The Sphinx, which is a story of a, a plague in New York and uh, people observing it from a distance and then going crazy. Um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Desk, obviously. Um, you know, its original publication was not with M A S Q U E, it was M A S K, which I think is fun. Uh, Scarlet Plague by Jack London. Uh, George R. R. Stu- uh, George R. R Stewart George Stu- R. Stewart's Earth abides and then a short story called uh, and all the Earth a Grave by CC McCapp, which is a hilarious hilarious story about um, a decimal place error on a computer that went crazy and uh, spent too much money advertising um, coffins <laughs> and now everybody's killing themselves <laughs> <laughs> love that story. Interesting. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, but there's, there's dozens and dozens of stories. And, and, you know, it's, history is your proof against, you know, the cycles of things that come up and again. And science fiction is your proof of, of technological change. It, and by proof, I mean like, you know, your insurance. It's your way of, um, of being an antibody for surprise of like, oh shit, I didn't see this coming. Right. So, um, The fact that the stock market's, uh, dipping worse than it's done in decades and the fact that, um, unemployment is, uh, gonna be at levels unseen in, in modern history. Um, well, that's interesting and all, but if you look at, uh, what happened in Vancouver's area 277 years ago, there's like, um, (laughs) there's like a plague that's worse than, Uh, the one we're gonna have by a a large number and there's like bodies everywhere. It's like, there's, there's lots and lots of cool things in science fiction. This book is more of a catalyst than it is a predictor. And it's one of these terrible dead ends that so, so much happens in science fiction. Somebody comes up with a stupid theory and they build a, spin up a whole world about it. Um, but because he spun up some interesting stuff, Um, and he had some interesting ideas behind it. A guy like Philip K. Dick can pick that up and say, here's my take on it and do a way better job. Way better. I mean, a event Vought should be almost forgotten if you have to do stuff. Philip K. Dick, he just gets more and more relevant as time goes by. I think.
5: Well,
0: it's like less um, and less relevant.
4: There's a, um, a phenomenon that happens in, uh, um, In thrash metal, where uh, there are these bands who disappeared for years, and then Metallica does a Mm. does a cover, and then um, they can suddenly buy a house, right? um, Because um, there's this thrash German, I think they were German, called Holocaust, and they had the song Small Hours, and those guys hadn't talked to each other in ten years; they had disappeared from the face of the earth, and then Metallica covers covers them and they make a gazillion dollars, get back together, start playing festivals. And and Von Vogt is the same kind of thing. Like PKD <laughs> is basically covering um Null A and Solar Law. <laughs> and um, and doing a better version. Hmm. And then you know, Von Vogt stays in print partially because of that. And I and 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 I, you know, I, I, the funny thing about it is, is and, and um, you know, I don't think that makes it any less valid. And, um, you know, I understand what you're saying, Jesse, that he should probably be forgotten. But at the same time, like...
0: Just in I relative so. terms. I don't say, you know, we, yeah. we should uh, censor him. I just like move him down the ladder, you know, like... It, sure.
4: But we as scholars, and I think like podcasters are becoming a new form of scholarship. It's not the right word for it,
0: but absolutely that's exactly what we're doing. It's absolutely not what university academia is, but it is absolutely scholarship, right? It's the opposite of academia, but it's also the, it's self-education basically.
4: Yeah, and we're preserving a lot of what's... We're, we're preserving a lot of what's going on in the genre. And we take our, that role really seriously at Dickheads now. Well, I do, of the three. Um, because, you know, like one of the reasons we wanted to interview Betsy Wolheim is because, you know, it, it's amazing to me the impact that Don Wolheim has had on the genre and everything. And a couple of years ago, I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. But doing the, all the research into Philip K. Dick, like it was inescapable that don wolheim became this massive figure and you know um i wanted and the easiest way to get to know him was to interview his daughter but uh, at this point like um tony voucher's next on my my radar and and you know um you know i think it's time to uh to remember these 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 people, and the podcast is a great way to do that. All right, teach our I got to
0: I got to wrap this up because Paul needs to go, um, and I also need uh, people to. Did we lose Evan? Are you still there? I thought I saw an Evan. I'm still here? Oh, just okay. a big letter N for some reason. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's my cat. My oh, cat. Your cat jumped Mark. on. What's your cat's name again? Rusty. Rusty. Right. Rusty Cole. Okay, so. Um I, want to to, uh, I wanted was... to uh, ask Paul to remind me of what the hell I was supposed to remind him to remind me of for the Stanley Weinbaum Stanley yeah. what what's called uh, Stanley this is the this is the also the uh, Will book I think
3: yeah. yeah, Stanley Weinbaum is is one of the the thinking man's uh, super science people.
0: There you go. But what what's the name of that book? The one that uh, Dawn of Flame? That's right, Dawn of Flame. Okay, so uh, how does five seventeen strike for, strike you guys?
2: Strikes me very well. Actually. All
0: right, Paul, you are you are now. I have you may I now have no life. go do your stuff. <laughs> so, oh yeah, right, fired. No uh, no um, no job jobless.
3: Yeah, yeah, that might shake out differently, fortunately, but, uh, I mean, I, I can't leave my house, so.
0: We won't need lawyers anymore. Uh, in hopefully. new society. When I, everybody learns LA and LA, we're going to not need lawyers anymore.
3: Yeah, this is something I think about a lot, is, like, in an ideal society, like, you know, like, the like, like, uh, interacting with, like, different aspects of the state wouldn't be, like, a specialized skill.
0: Hmm. I, I I I I want you to be more like uh, Better Call Saul, uh, Saul Goodman. I like him. I, I, mean, like I do. I do love older people. Yeah,
3: and it is a mutual <laughs> feeling.
0: Good, good.
3: Which is why I like you so much, Jesse. <laughs>
0: I love it. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio.